Right, I think we'll get started. There are still some attendees joining. Thank you, everyone. Uh, great, I see you started using the chat function already. Let us know where you are. We're excited. Today we had registrants from 30 countries and uh, about 70 different companies. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us today. Um, this is our third webinar of this year titled How to Conduct an Effective Supplier Development Program. Uh, I'm Taryn. And as it happens, a few weeks ago, I thought a childhood dream had come true when I went along to a, a client visit and I didn't even get to introduce myself. They said, oh, no, we know you. You're the one who does the webinars. Yeah, I thought I was having my moment like I was a Hollywood star. Alas, that never worked out. I'm a marketing manager. But I am a marketing manager at Incona, which is a pretty fun organization. We're a global um, consulting, auditing, training, and technology firm, uh, particularly in the automotive and aerospace industries, but we do work with plenty of other clients as well. We run these webinars approximately every six weeks to two months, and we pick the topics based on, on, on what might be pertinent in industry at the time or FAQs that come, come to us. Um, Hans, Trunk and Poles, probably if they could be a celebrity of, of, of auditors, he might well be on the A-list. He probably doesn't need much introducing uh, to those of you on the call, the founder and chairman of the board of Encona. Hans, thank you for joining us today. I believe you're in Germany. Yes, Taryn, I am. Yeah. Hello, everybody out there. And uh, Taryn, thanks for, for having me. And uh, I hope I can provide some, some clarity to, to this uh, very interesting topic that you have chosen for, for the crowd out there. So it's good to be here. Thanks. So it's good to have you, and it's good to have you back from holiday. You took two weeks off, first time in a long time. I've got plenty of work lined up for you, so don't worry, I'll, I'll keep you busy. Um, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Thanks. I'm excited to introduce also our second panelist today, Andreas Schreider, also based in Germany, and he has over 30 years experience in the automotive industry. And more so, Ikona has been running a project for 10 consecutive years. And Andreas was with that client as the supplier development manager. So he can certainly bring some insight as it comes from the client side. Welcome and thanks, Andreas. Good afternoon, everybody. And thanks, Karen, for having me here today. Awesome. So I think let's kick it off. Um, Hans. Supplier development is an IATF 16949 requirement, but it appears that very few organizations manage to systemic, systematically implement such a program. What, what are the issues out there and what are some of the current topics or reasons um, as it pertains to suppliers that make such a program necessary? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty interesting one, um, uh, Taryn. And we got to be very careful because it's usually the clients that say the suppliers cause the troubles. But uh, we will elaborate, I believe, a lot more going down the line when we will speak about the impact uh, on the supply chain when when the clients are not providing necessary information and service to the supply chain. Um, but yes, from, from, from a customer standpoint of view, 
what what are they? I think it's 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 best to 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 go into this presentation that we prepared for this with 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 some of them, and I'm sure clients around the world could could, could add more topics to this. But but once again, we we got to be very careful. Um, it's it, it's too easy to finger point what the suppliers are not able to do, what they're, they're not willing to do. Uh, you really got to have a close look on this, and this is also why supply development is is so extremely powerful if it's done correctly to understand on both sides that uh, to understand how the impact, the negative impact, hits the supply chain if the quality of all necessary information into a project uh, with a supplier is not provided by the customers. And there is just as many examples uh, up there that we could roll out uh, uh, than, than, than also from the supplier. So it's not a one-way street. We gotta be very careful. But I think as we go forward in this webinar, we will also elaborate on that, how important the quality of an input into, into any supply chain supplier is to to drive successful projects and 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 having a safe launch at a later stage, but this these these would be typical typical issues that that clients would 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 like to address uh, a poor product quality uh, that's coming into their warehouses, poor delivery performance. Those are those major serial serial life KPIs, if you want to call it that. Lack of competitive pricing, which is also connected to other to, to other uh, topics that we will speak about. Slow transition progress into an industry 4.0, which is very much linked also to the competitive pricing. And what we also hear a lot out there is that supplier are losing more and more investment power into the future, which is connected also to industry 4.0 transformation especially from below the tier one level, tier two and tier three, and, and then an ineffective management system performance, which hits the, the, the complete automotive industry. So, so that is not also not a, a very supplier specific topic, uh, uh, ineffective management systems, according to ITF, we find starting from the OEMs throughout, throughout yes, uh, the supply chain. So, so, but but having a look at this as a slide already tells a story. Wherever the reasons are for for these circumstances and conditions, um, votes clearly for for an effective supplier supply development um, um, program. And coming back to your previous uh, question, Taryn, uh, wh why do companies struggle to? to roll out such an effective uh, program, predominantly on the OEM and tier one side, I would say they, they would say it's cost on the one side, and on the other side, um, they would say it's too time consuming. And, and, and this, is, this is what we all, all need to understand. Supply development is not a quick shot and solve a problem that has popped up uh, somewhere during the product life cycle at a supplier. So you need a deep and long breath to, to really get the benefits out of supply development. But this is typical what, what, what management nowadays says, and, and I do understand that to, to a certain extent is because we, are, we, we find ourselves in very, very difficult times. 
and 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 just like Andreas, I I also find myself in this industry since since thirty years, and 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 I must tell you, I haven't seen I haven't seen this industry in a situation in thirty years like like we have it today. It's 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 really a, a challenge, but yet again. And this is why, why, why management usually says, what is the cost of doing it? And, and I think the more correct question today should be, what are the costs of not doing it? And uh, because, because costs are, cost implications are coming down the product life cycle for every customer in, in, in any case. So if you, if you spend it in, as, as a preventive measure, okay, or as a reaction, that's usually 10 times higher than, than the preventive approach. And supply development is a preventive approach. We have to be very clear about that. So, so the question, the way I look at it is, and we should ask ourselves, what are the costs of not doing, doing uh, effective supply development? Yeah. Absolutely, very, very good point there. And Andreas, um, what are, what's your point of view on this? I mean, you were actively managing the supply development program at a global organization. Yeah, that's correct. So we did a lot of supply development programs um, together with Hans um, over several years, uh, 10 years in total. Um, so what Hans just stated is completely correct. <clears throat> so these warranty or severe quality issues, um, they are the reactive trigger to supply development, but they are coming more from the negative side. So if something happened, then you need to react on that. Um, but Hans just mentioned the prevention. So it is also important to see the supply development as an active task in the strategic supply chain management because doing it this way as an active task, this will drive um, the failure and the cost avoidance much better. Um, on top, it is a positive environment that, that we are working in then. But you also should not forget that besides the resource topic, it's also a matter of trust between supplier and customer because both sides, they have to open their books and they need to listen to each other. Uh, and this is not obvious today, or it even hasn't been obvious in the past. So you have to work on the trust. But being said that, you cannot become best in class without your suppliers. So we have to involve them as well. I think you've just hit on two key words, phrases that uh, I heard loud and clear, an active strategy and a matter of trust. So I think before we proceed further, um, just Hans, uh, so that we can define it for everybody on the call, there are, there are so many terminologies out there, supplier quality assurance, supplier quality engineering, supplier development, et cetera. Is there a clear segregation of which is which, what is what, and, and where does supplier development specifically fit in? Yeah. Yeah, Taryn, that's that's uh, that's really sometimes very confusing. Uh, and over and above the three that you just mentioned, with with supplier quality assurance and supplier quality engineering and supplier development, 
Over and above, there is also different terminologies that, that the OEM or tier one customers uh, use. So, so I'm, I'm not surprised why, why this question is coming, coming from, from your side. But I think there's a couple of, I think generally there is, there is a misperception out there with regards to supply development because it mingles and mixes with, with overlaps, if, if I may call it that, with other activities that a typical supplier quality assurance uh, engineer or auditor uh, does have. So, so, so I tried to, to get a little bit of a se separation here. So, so on the left-hand side, that typical SQA activities, if, if you wanna call it that, um, we, we do pre-qualification of suppliers for, for new projects, uh, specification reviews, supplier audits, monitoring is also part, part of that, inspection and testing, uh, uh, also in, in, in the project phase, if you want to call it that. And then, of course, problem solving. So problem, problem occurs, SQAs, swarm out and, and, and try to fix the problems with, with, with the suppliers, if you want to call it that. And then they do also, of course, the, the, the verification and the follow-ups of, 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 of corrective and, and preventive actions that derive from, from troubleshooting or problem-solving uh, activities. And that's, and, and don't get me wrong, that's a hugely important task. So, so supplier quality assurance is, is, is a must, okay? I just want to elaborate where, where supply development, uh, supply quality development goes over and above. And there is certain overlaps. And it starts with one, which to me is the absolute key. And, and, and Andreas, you, you, you probably vouch for that as well. It's, it's amazing what, what the building of a sustainable relationship between partners of a customer and a suppliers uh, can, can achieve. It, it is absolutely mind-blowing, mm -hmm. the area, how, how you can build trust in just being, and, and Andrea said that earlier, uh, just being honest to, to, to your supply chain, all hands on deck, understand that customer side is also not a clean sheet. Uh, they're also humans, so humans make mistakes, but the input mistakes into the supply chain have terrible impacts throughout the product life cycle, starting from the project management. But once you build that relationship, uh, which is so crucial, uh, and it, it will be the future trade folks out there, they make no mistake. The ones that understand and vouch for building relationships with your valuable partners and, and suppliers will be the front runners in the future. There, there is no, there's no two opinions about it. Number two, clients are also open to learn from suppliers. And we will elaborate on that, folks. It is a massive advantage if you bring, and we will speak about the team setup as to who should go to the suppliers, uh, to have that feedback to the engineering departments of the client side to listen to the voice of the supplier, feed it back and process that information to 
to, to improve for, for, for the next following projects. It's a massive advantage. And, and I think we've, we've, Andreas, we've moved mountains up there with yeah. probably 60 suppliers, uh, uh, not only in Europe, but on a global scale, also, also in US and also in, 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 in China, in, in India. And it's, it's completely independent from cultures. Let, let, let me tell you that. If, if you treat the suppliers in a respectful manner, okay, no matter what culture is coming from, you, you, you will receive. That, that, is, that, that became very obvious mm. in 10 years of doing that. Uh, but that also requires a mutual win-win situation. So supply development engineers need to communicate that on a permanent, on a permanent uh, 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 manner to the supply chain that there is a win-win and we will speak about that. Coaching, workshops, training, so development to, to make them better, but it's a long-term exchange in experiences because you, it's also a cultural exchange between the customer culture and the supplier culture. We need to bring this together and the exchange of experiences in this regular come-togethers uh, uh, it is also a very, very fruitful uh, activity. And this is what we share, of course, the corrective and preventive action with an SQA. And, and once again, the SQA top functionality, we need them, guys. If, if anyone of you out there, we need you, like, like bread needs the butter. We just want our over and above uh, uh, complete. The, 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 the other aspects that we just uh, elaborated on, on the supply development side. So supply development and supply quality assurance or supply quality engineering. SQEs are most of the times more involved in the project side, SQAs, uh, than more often in serial life. But again, it's, it's handled differently. And that's why there's often a little bit of a misperception but supply development definitely stands out from the main activities from, from an SQA, or typically SQA or SQE. And uh, supply development, this is what I found, and I think this is very crucial to understand, also for management and all the decision makers out there, and I hope there is plenty of you in the audience uh, today. It's a long-term operation, operative effort between a buying uh, entity and its suppliers to upgrade the suppliers, not only in quality and delivery and costs, but also technologically. Because if you want to ever transform to an industry 4.0 work environment, we need to understand that the investments are done currently at the OEM levels. They're going, they're going all in, all right? Uh, tier one's already a dramatic slowdown. But now you can imagine what's happening from tier two, tier three level. So if we want to have competitive prices also in the future, we need to support and help them also to in, in this transition to, to an industry 4.0 or a digital or technology world for which many of those suppliers don't have investment power. Okay. So, so, and of course, of course, the ongoing improvements in that relationship not only in the KPIs, in that relationship uh, is, is bringing you the benefits that we can demonstrate by, by data uh, out of 10 consecutive years, as Taryn already elaborated, 
with real data what what, what it is and 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 the cost efficiency uh, supply development down the line should not cost you any money that's that, that's that's the core message so so looking at it what what is the money that we have to invest to do that uh, but what is the return and 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 all those data are in so so we are talking hard facts here and i think we are one of the few ones that can really provide practical experiences from such an such an extensive program over over really 10, 10 consecutive years over 60 suppliers around the world um, and and that's why it's very valuable and and thank you again andreas for for joining in to to also give us a reflection from from the customer side back then where you where you were responsible so so this is the definition in segregation terry if 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 you ask me. Perfect, thank you. I think this slide in particular, you've summarized it for me, if, if that counts very well. I think the, the next point to cover, it is about people also. So how do you implement a supplier development program and which people, individuals or roles should be included in, the, in such a program? Yeah. And, and let, let, let me start to, to, to repeat what Andreas just said a couple of minutes ago. If, 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 we, don't, if we don't get the buy-in from executive members of, of the client organization, then, then don't bother to proceed, just to save the money. That, that, that is crucial. So if you don't get the XX on board to, to drive and champion champion these programs, then, then it's, 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 it's a waste of time because it will become subject of a, of a cost-cutting uh, uh, activity long time before you harvest any benefits from supply development. So we need a deep and a long breath for that. Consequently, without the top dogs coming to the party, right, it will be a waste of time. Don't, don't even consider And this was very good in this company that we are referring to here because uh, we had the executives on, on board, not only for committing to it and signing it off, also personally. And, and that makes a difference. Okay? So coming back from the customer side, this is how we operate. Operate it, and, and the only way to suggest, and I, I can also tell you why. So, so we need from the customer side, supply development champion, maybe a CEO or a COO, some sort of executive member, usually purchasing or supply champion. Okay? Because, simply because these, these guys, these top managers are responsible for, for, for the suppliers and the supply chain. So preferably some executive in purchasing or supply chain, sometimes it's, it's, it's combined with logistics, but, <clears throat> but that's, that, that's a necessity, all right? Without that, that's a showstopper right, right, right away. Don't, don't even proceed. What we need the responsible buyers for the suppliers that's, that's, that you want to develop 
a quality engineer that can be an SQA as well. And this is where we have the overlap, but there is some benefits uh, I will elaborate on later. Then hugely important, depending on if you have design authority, you do product design, bring the design engineer. Design engineers, guys, are typically completely disconnected from the supply chain. Very often, yeah. And, and, and they're so far away, they're brilliant guys that they're just, they're just not connected with the manufacturing process and technology. And, and if you look into the basic responsibility of a design engineer, you must actually provide a product design that is made for manufacturability on the process-capable condition. Just drop. Not just to provide a CAD file or a drawing and throw it over the wall and say, build me a process around. And, and consequently, the design engineers in projects, for new projects, need to be merging a lot strong and a lot more with the technology where the products are produced or assembled, whatever the case may be. So, and, and, and that was a wonderful, wonderful experience because they, they more and more opened their minds and could see how design product designs affects now the manufacturing process at the suppliers by having unrealistic tolerances and, uh, and, and, and what so forth. And, uh, and you must understand, just in, in case you think now, well, but they go through a feasibility study and they sign it off. But I can tell you, uh, Andreas, uh, correct me if I'm, if I, if I'm wrong, but, and, and they said to us, the majority of them said, yes, but we also fear if we don't sign the feasibility off, the project goes to one of our competitors. So that's also a very, a very, very fruitful information feedback from the supply chain that needs to be considered at the customer side. So why is we have to break down those fear levels so that they can pull the plug and say, this is not possible. Okay. So design engineer, hugely important, sends your engineers through a massive learning curve. If you're not responsible for product design, okay, bring somebody from engineering. Mm -hmm. right? They need to understand what's actually happening in the supply chain and in their technology and in their processes. And then, of course, the supply development auditors and trainers. It doesn't have to be individual. It can be a team of internal, external, combination of whatever the case may be. So, so this, is, this is a supply development team, should be a supply development team from the customer side that, that executes this program towards the supply chain. And from the supplier side, as, as, as Andreas rightfully and correctly said earlier, you also need that champion to drive it from the supplier side. So there's got to be a mutual commitment between customer and supplier, which is difficult enough anyway, because, because uh, in, in all honesty, when you talk to suppliers and you talk about their customers, that's also not always happy days for, for, for a variety of very valid reasons. So, so, so we need to bring people together. Okay? We will suck up all our egos and all our business cases because 
business cases fed through that relation uh, going forward, which, which is the future core in any case. So we need that supply development champion and a managing director or a plant manager executive, the, the top dogs. The quality engineers at the supplier, needless to mention, also logistics. Logistics is becoming more and more and more a complex environment uh, to operate in. And he brings customer and, and supplier together. There's a lots of customer communication in the logistics area, as, as you well know. Production interface we need, of course. And, and project management or engineering from, from, from the supply side as well. So there's quite a compact, there's quite, quite a fair amount of, of faculties or functions, I should say, that should be ideally involved in supply development to, to really get all the benefits uh, uh, out of it. Because over and above, it is about bringing people exchange, help one another to understand where you're coming from, where I'm coming from, and, and, and work together as a team to, 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 to get to this mutual benefit for, for, for both organizations. So, so that's, that's a team set up, Karen, that I would, uh, I would like to, to, to suggest if, if anybody's interested to roll such a program out. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. And thanks for sharing both the customer and supplier side. Um, I can see why companies might struggle to implement it, though. It is pretty resource intensive. And we all know resources are limited. But I mean, what? how do companies, how should they go about implementing such a program with it, together with their suppliers? I assume it's, it's a long-term approach. So what steps should they take? Yeah, um, long-term long, long approach, just, just to give, give our, our audience out there a little bit of an indication. Supply development should not exceed a certain amount of time because over time, and we had that before, Andreas, you remember, mm -hmm. uh, a, a loss of focus. Yeah. It's, it's taking too long. So, so re re realistically, a realistic lead time from all the experiences we've made would be, would be around six months to maximum eight months, at the very max. But, but six, six months is something that we should, should aim for. Um, just, just to get this clarification on, on, on the lead time. But coming back to the, to, to the question of yours, it's basically a... a, a five-phase uh, approach, which includes, of course, very, very important, uh, the purchasing of procurement departments of the supply side. Uh, and, and we like to call it this, uh, the concept phase. Okay? And you, do, you, you need to identify certain criteria that you want to apply in order to select the suppliers you want to involve in supply development. You, you very unlikely, you very unlikely want to develop each and every every uh, uh, supplier in, in in your database. So so you need very very precise criteria as to what what, what criteria you want to use in order to select. So so that's hugely important. Uh, that could be, of course, quality, cost, and delivery. 
that could be technology related, strategic uh, related, uh, single multi-sourcing. Guys, this is a very, very hot topic right now. Yeah. And, 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 and I didn't have, I used to be an OEM back in the days uh, for, for many, many years where, where, where single sourcing was just not on because of the risk of, of supply. But, and, and I do understand, but, but OEMs are going in too many cases, more and more away from that, in too many cases. And, and I understand why this is done. If you have 10,000 units for two suppliers, you have 5,000 units for every supplier. If you have one supplier, you give them 10,000 and you get a better price. I, I understand that mess, right? Just like everybody does. But it does increase the risk, of course. And I think we've seen this very, very sadly with wire harnesses coming out of the Ukraine that is uh, currently involved in a very tragic, uh, very tragic. Uh, uh, and, and it impacted so many OEM plants all the way to shutting plants down. So, so you need to be very clear about the criteria that should be used and then Supplier should be nominated with an official nomination letter. And of course, there's talks between the supplier and the, the customer before. Should come from an official supply development nomination letter from the purchasing executive or whoever is the champion for that to give it this formal, this formal touch that there's something special we want to do with you and together, right? Then the, the concept uh, must be developed and, and the top management buy-in must be, must be gathered both from customer side and from, from supplier side. That's why there's already discussions and talks and pre-talks before that, before the official nomination letter should be provided. So if the top dogs don't come to the party, once again, guys, don't waste, don't waste your time. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. So that, that, that is crucial. So we need to provide them some information of, of, of cost reduction potentials. Uh, and, and once again, the question today is not, what does it cost me to do that? What are the costs of not doing it? It's more, more appropriate. It definitely, if, if, you, if you try to launch a program like this. So, so once this concepting is done and the nomination is done and the acknowledgement is done, you kick this off. What we've done, Andreas, remember, the top mm -hmm. executive purchasing director personally came to this kickoff meeting to yep. get the concept one more time, what we want to achieve together. Yeah. To, to, to present the experts or the supply development engineers or auditors, if you want to call it that, and to again reinforce the acknowledgement which has been done already before that. So that's a real official kickoff meetings with the executives from, from, from both sides. And that is hugely important because it gives, it gives this program a complete new set of wings, if you want to call it that. That's the formal, the formal kickoff. And then in phase number three, what, what, what we do is we have several different deep dive sessions. Um, SD01 is related to project management and product or process development. Basically, in the product lifecycle, that focuses on 
on project management until safe launch. So RFQ, if you want to call it that, request or quotation comes in all the way to hand over to serial condition, usually SOP plus, plus, plus 90 days. All right. Hugely important because this is where quality is determined. So anything that goes wrong in your product and process development or in the project management, serial life will not be able to recover in full. Period. Will not be able. So, so we have a very strong focus on, 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 on the project. And the reason why, folks, why this is so important, I'm going to show you this later, is because in that phase, we also very, very stringent in getting the understanding of where is the input quality from the customer lacking? What are the impacts in my feasibility study? What are the impacts in my quotation? What are the impacts in my process or product development or in my complete program management? And, and, and I think everybody understands out there, uh, the supplier is dependent. And for, for all of you that, that, that has been done an MLA or majority level assurance, with, with, with customer projects clearly, clearly shows you the importance of the input quality, maybe information completeness, maybe information in time, maybe decisions. So everything affects your project management. So the input quality must be considered and you must really sink your teeth in and open your hearts and your minds to say and admit that we are also humans and make mistakes. And now we can see together with the supplier what the actual impact is, which is a very, very, very beautiful learning curve uh, in a negative way, because it usually comes with problems, but it's, 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 it's a very healthy way to, to learn. Because humans don't usually have a natural motivation to change anything until it's, it's a little bit painful and hurtful. So this is very important here. The deep dive number two, so two to three days, depending on the complexity of the products, complexity of the processes, company size, uh, two to three days. Uh, the bigger the suppliers are, usually those, those programs are triggered by OEMs and by tier one, big tier, tier one companies into tier two and tier three. So, so usually the suppliers that you're working with are coming from, from, from tier two and tier three. Uh, and, and, and of course, but the same application is for a tier one if, if, if you want to roll it out for, for, from, from an OEM side. But the bigger the organizations get, could add some more mandates, if you want to call it that, to get this deep dive, the, the gap analysis. Uh, and then the... The second one is for the serial production performance. I'm going to show you also uh, what goes in there. And then optionally, we also have supply development of three for production system excellence, manufacturing excellence. So not just the systems, fully blown manufacturing excellence where technology goes in digitalization and high force serial transformation. But this is optional. Uh, you can start easily with SD1 and 2. Uh, and, and, and make it a benefit if they pass the program, and I will talk about that, uh, if they qualify for an SD3. Because that's when you really grow together. And then the word packages get designed from all these finding reports. 
just just to give you a brief idea, uh, out of these deep dive SD one and two, you usually collect somewhere between sixty and one hundred nonconformities. So that's a that that that's a that's a, a brutal munition to. To, to get together and cluster your work packages because that will be now the input when you come together and do training and do coaching and do do things together to to overcome those those obstacles. So so if you're used to those typical process audit results with two two findings and three findings, that's that that's flesh to bone. And that's really getting everything surfaced that we need for the work packages to get structured systemic approach to 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 perform and, and and improve our processes in that relation between customers then the implementation as i just elaborate that can be trainings that can be coachings that can be uh, uh, all sorts of activities based on the work packages that came out of the deep dive gap analysis if you want to call it that and what's also interesting in those six to maximum eight months, you permanently monitor the supplier indicators of EPMs, of on-time delivery, of whatever KPIs you agree in their concept and you commit to uh, amongst the top management uh, on both sides, uh, just to see where, where this is going over, over, over a period of of, of several months. And, and phase number five, the closure is what we do, what we've done, Andreas, those final trend review meetings. Uh -huh. That's the official, that's the official closing event between client and, and supplier, where we also announce that they officially passed. Uh, there's also pass and fail criteria. So, so it's it's not a one-sided investment so, so both need to come to the party and grow together uh, we did a supply award for for supply development and uh, it was also and and why is the where's the win-win for the suppliers because what we were aiming for is one is is to switch them to a level one ppap supplier which is not so much the reduction of paperwork because the paperwork still needs to be done but you just submit the, the PSW, but it's, it's very important for them to be seen as a level one supplier because they're proud, because it's a level of trust. And trust is what we are lacking. We don't trust our supplier, the problem. Um, so, and that Andreas was, was an extremely nice experience we made, how proud they are after so many months of working together uh, to become a level one supplier. Yeah. Although they still needed to do and produce all the documents, uh, but it made made them proud. But what's the the more choose the more choose is is into the future business wins. And mm -hmm. That that's something we we really worked on. So so suppliers that passed that supply development program successfully and showed the performance over time. Uh, that was linked also to purchasing volume. And that has a variety of, of advantages because for the supplier, they can do a better investment planning, personal planning, if they have a bigger, a bigger volume 
coming forward uh, in that in in that relationship. And and, and you must understand one thing: the OEMs didn't understand. I don't think they 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 did grasp that situation in full. Back in the days when I was an OEM, we had we had volumes. We had volumes of components. And, and there's one thing for certain, and every, every person involved in this industry will know that. In, when you're a supplier to the automotive industry, you need volume because the part price per se is, how do you say it, politically correct, um, debatable. Let's put it that way. So, so, so what happened is, what happened is, after the OEM switched all to these platform strategies, that was the time and the era when, when every day when I went out of the streets, there was a new model driving by that I didn't know, which was never the case. Every new car we knew back in the day. But with these platform strategies, it helped the OEMs to be more attractive on the existing markets by launching different models. But consequently, there's many suppliers there are above the platform and not in the platform. So it reduced the quantity and volume. So now they have this price pressure and they don't have the volume anymore, which made it very, very, very difficult for, for them to, to, to make enough money and sustain and maintain investment power for the future. Okay. So that, that is a huge, uh, that's a huge, definitely a huge uh, uh, advantage that we saw in working together, that relationship, that trust level, that performance that needs to be proved, of course, uh, what they gained is better planning quality because businesses. And uh, I would like to, that's also that question from, from, from Taryn. So this is, this is the program per se. We called it, uh, Andreas, we called it track one. Track one is that deep dive for, for two to three days, whatever the criteria I've, I've given you before, where you tackle project, project management. And then you have those ongoing monthly follow-up reviews. That can be follow-ups of the findings that can be doing feasibility projects together when, when project is already in the pipeline. Uh, trainings and workshops again. So very, very effective. And the track two was then the management system and the process area, it's serial life. Also two to three days, depending. And then ongoing those improvement workshops and trainings. And after, let's say, six, six months, maximum eight months, maybe, we started this final trend review meetings where we officially decided whether the program was successfully passed or not passed, okay? Because I think, I think the, the consequence definition of, of uh, must also be predetermined in this notification letter. What if we invest here as a client for six to eight months in a supplier and, and, and nothing is moving? So we have also the option of not being passed and that should consequently also be linked to, to certain consequences. But let's focus on the successfully passed, and I did elaborate on that. That comes out of this final trend review meeting with the awards, 
And then you still do your ongoing monitoring. So you, you don't lose track of them, that continues. And, uh, but, but what is so great on this program is just, it's just the relation and, 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 and the trust level you build, not only because there is one faculty on each side involved, but there is a multidisciplinary approach from both sides to learn from one another. But we need to open our minds. To, to, to admit that we all make mistakes. There's no touch and blame. We want to go somewhere on that mutual win-win situation. And the track three, as I said, is related to um, um, manufacturing excellence, yeah. transition to digital automation, industry 4.0 in, 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 in general. That can be done independent from track one and track two. You can also stop after track one and track two if supplier not ready yet and restart. That's very optional. So you can put that together in a very modular approach. And that approach is, and here you can see uh, also the, the topics. It's also another benefit that you can do is because you're also required to do process audits at your, at your supplier. Okay, which is also an ITF requirement. So there, what, 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 what we've done is to, to combine in the track one, in the project management, and we re related it to, to the P2, P3, and P4 version, which is representing the project management, but together with the customer input quality. What's the quality of the specification, the communication, the code of conduct, uh, the project support we get from our clients, or is it a one-way street or is it a dialogue? Uh, ECR dynamics, that's another kettle of fish. I, I don't know if this is clear to, to, to all the customers, what the impact is on this massive amount of engineering changes during a running project. Yes. It's just completely insane. <clears throat> Andreas, what, what, what's, your, what's your two cents on that? Yeah, I fully agree on that, Hans. So, so the engineering changes, um, they have a massive impact to the organization because uh, in worst case, you have to go back and do feasibility things again and again. So there's a lot of work behind that. And uh, what I also can add is that the customer input for quality is also uh, what, what I want to add, that when we do this track one and track two, deep dive audits, we also look into the direction of the customer. Um, as you mentioned, we have findings between 16 and 100. Uh, that is correct, but there are quite some findings that we have in the direction of the customer as well uh, when it comes to, um, to drawings, to feasibility analysis, to information about products, things like this. So it's not only the supplier. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely yeah. agree with that. That's that's a good point. But but that, but that helped us. Sorry, the last sentence. Sure. But that helped us really to gain the trust and to make the supplier understandable that it's not a one-way development. So it's not just in the way of the to the supplier. We also are open to listen and to improve things. Yeah, and and the customer guys from product design or or, or engineering department that that. To me, Andreas was the was the ultimate learning curve, because in too many cases the design engineers or the remote 
process engineering guys or project yeah. managers are just disconnected from, from, from the operations. And, and, and their task is to provide a manufacturable product or more. Yeah. How, how can they make robust products without that? No, 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 that's, that's, it so was, was really, it was really uh, one of the core experiences to bring yeah. engineering and technology together for supply. So, so that is very advisable to, to integrate that. But, but, but guys, I, I, I want to warn you, we need some psychologists here because it's not the easiest process for a customer to admit that we made mistakes, which is human. There's no problem with that. But to admit that needs a certain personality um, and an and, and, and open-minded approach. Let, let's, let's put it that way. And because there's humans on, on both sides. And, and, and every person you meet in your life is, is fighting battles you, you know nothing about. So, so we got to be nice and we got to be open to one another because we are all in the same critical, difficult times. But just to down pressure it on one side is not going to change anything. And, and if that, and we've seen that, folks, if you just pressure, pressure, pressure the supply chain, and I told this, I tell this to the OEMs all the time. You you will be you will be paying back millions and millions and millions to the supply chain in any case, which which is happening already anyway, because they run out of steam and then they have to reinforce them to get parts. So it's going to come back in any case. So so we need to balance this re really in the middle, and 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 help this industry to get some humanity back. Because this went completely lost over, over decades, I, I can tell you that much. Very, very powerful. And then you have your yeah, VDS 6.3 or ITF. You can, you can also report this to have evidence for what you have to do in any case. So that's, that's the synergies we, we can use. And then you can see also in serial life in track two, it covers, there's not even all modules in here, guys. It's, it's, it's not even complete yet. But just to get an get an get an idea, of what are the covering points that we 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 get out uh, from from these from these uh, tracks or deep dive type audits, and then go into the work package. Yeah, Taryn, uh, back to you. This this should hopefully answer the question of how exactly is it done and what are the steps that we advice to to consider at least when we're doing supply it's a lot of detail for sure i had no idea there would be quite so much coming up in these two, two these two tracks um andreas is there anything you would want to add to this well that's hard to add something this is a really comprehensive list that hans just showed um the only thing that i can emphasize again is that the executive management involvement on both sides is really important because coming with, from my experience, we rarely had problems uh, on the working level during supply development projects. Um, that was really a good progress that we did and good working together. But the, the top management, the executives, they really struggled to keep the priority for this project up and running. And this is why um, I think it's important to have 
um, it, um, uh, a clear time frame that we're talking about. I mean, this development, it will never end because it, it's a development, but it is the, the process that we, that we trigger, that we start in the six to eight months. Uh, that's what we did. And, and then the supplier has to, has to work on this um, for sure. So, yeah, being said that um, you need to have regular supplier development performance reviews by the top management on both sides, supplier and customer. And the customer, as we spoke in the beginning, uh, we also need to put this as a strategic target and it should be reviewed during the management review regularly. Okay. You know, it's interesting is I see a recurring theme actually across a number of the webinars we've done together, Hans, and it's the top management responsibility in particular and, and involvement to, to keep these things going. For example, the process ownership webinar um, that we conducted, Hans, just kind of side note, the essential, uh, essentialness for, of, of top management buy-in. No, absolutely, yeah. Guys, I think we are ready to wrap it up, but um, before we wrap it up, Andreas, I've got the, the final question of the day for you. And also you've got the data that everybody is hoping to see, I'm sure. I'd like to understand what are the actual benefits of a supplier development program, such as this one that you ran for many years, and why, why would companies roll out such a time-consuming and expensive program? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think, Karen, the best is if we go to this slide that you're showing right now. So this shows the, um, the data of three years. These are real data. And you can see over this period of three years, we decrease the number of red or unsatisfactory suppliers from 14 down to 3%. Uh, that was really a huge success. Um, and in parallel, the number of green suppliers increased by 24%. But what does that mean? So more green suppliers, so more good suppliers, they really, we ended up in less quality issues. We had less logistic issues and um, also less customer issues. But um, also those green suppliers, they became more and more the long-term partners. So we started to introduce long-term contracts also with the suppliers, what was a, a really good uh, benefit for us and helped us to, to come along with this. Um, but also those green suppliers, they, um, they, uh, they became more and more partners in terms of engineering and best practice suppliers. So we learned a lot from them and they were open to share this information with us. Um, but important is that Besides all the supplier development activities, it was not only that that made big improvement possible. Um, we also had in our internal organization a change because when they realized that supplier development um, is making improvements. And uh, so we really had all the other plans, the engineering guys, the purchase, uh, that besides the projects, the supply development project that we're running, um, they came and asked us questions. They asked for support. They asked um, 
um, us to give input on some supply development related topics. So we had a change in our entire organization um, after that moment when they realized, oh, supply development is not that bad. So it helps us to get better. Um, so the communication between our organization and suppliers increased a lot in a positive way. We had good discussion and feasibility analyzes uh, on quality issues and so on. And what Hans said, one of the key was really to make clear that everything we do is we, we do without judge and blame. So that was really uh, important. And also the suppliers, they started to understand what does it mean to take responsibility um, during such a project? Um, so they started to ask good questions during feasibility analysis, instead of saying, there is no problem at all um, because I want to get the business home. So that was really helpful. And finally, we really had um, uh, an amount of suppliers that then became part also of our internal projects when it comes to zero defect workshops. So we invited them to do with us together zero defect workshops. Uh, we had design improvement scheme where the supplier was, was really a part of it. And uh, we came up with a lot of good ideas. So there is a lot of benefits in, in, the, in the supply development, definitely. Um, but again, don't forget, it's not, uh, should not be triggered just by, from the reactive way, it also should in an active supply development strategic, okay? Absolutely, and that's what you brought up at the very beginning. That is exceptionally impressive data from such a long project that it's awesome to see and thank you for sharing, guys. Um, so that's, that's it for the end of our presentation for today, but we've got a few questions. Please allow me to just catch up there quickly. And load shedding just happened in South Africa. So the room's gone dark, yeah. Um, uh, right, got them here. A question from Sura. Based on your experience, which supplier KPI should we assign? And I took note that this was asked at the time when you were speaking about deep dive audits. Um, yeah, I, uh, the, the existing typical one out of serial life with, with your PPMs and your on-time delivery, there is nothing wrong with that. What I would over and above put in more from a client side is is, is more related to projects. You, you, you need to understand as a supplier, there is no better way to disappoint your clients than, than being not on top of the game during project work already. And, and, and the customers do assess the supplier, uh, not only on soft factors in project management, like, like responsiveness and, 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 and engineering support, but also some hard facts. And what I would suggest, what we used very successfully is, is, is a PPAP submission on time or, or submission level for customer milestones could be a very useful one. That would rep represent your timing and the quality is very important. Is your, your FTT rate, your first time through. You submit a PPAP, and you expect that to be approved by the customer first time, first time through, all right? In reality, 
and I just came back from a company and, 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 and they run the figures for me, we've implemented that. They have for every project 3.2, so this is 3.2 PPAPs for every project. That's a very useful KPI that, that I would like to suggest you. The problem is it's a little bit difficult because most of the companies don't have a process cost calculation. They don't even know what it costs them if a PPAP is rejected by a customer and it goes through another PPAP trial and another inspection, it goes in the laboratory. So there's a lot of efforts that go in. And, and, and if you use three PPAP loops for, for, to get one project in green, that's a very useful uh, KPI that, that you can consider. Uh, and we usually call it FTT, first time through, which represents the quality of a PPAP. In serial life, leave as it is PPM, they require that on-time delivery. Thank you. A question from Maxime. I feel like this one starts talking towards emotional intelligence too, which we've always discussed. Agreed on, on openness about being wrong. I'm not sure how this works for Asian suppliers where saving face is quite an important way of life. Do you care to elaborate, please? Uh, I think all businesses need a cultural officer that understands different working cultures and adapts the communication to these different cultures. Yeah, the different approach. Yeah, look, different approach. But but one one life has taught me well. And you don't need to speak any language. If if you respect the person, respect's coming back. And that's not always the spoken word you use. That's your, that's your body tension. That's your energy. That's your open-minded approach, which creates energy, which everybody senses in any case. And, and on that mutual respectful level, uh, Andreas, I, I, I don't think anywhere we went, we ever had really, really issues in that. But potentially, I would agree with, 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 with the person that raised the question. Uh, could be slightly different, but respect wins in every culture. That's 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 what I learned. Period. Absolutely agreed. I've got a second question here from Maxime, who actually put that one forward. Andreas, you might not have the numbers to hand. Perhaps we could send an analysis of this afterwards. But very interesting point. Interesting charts. Three years of real data. Wondering if there are any details about the length of collaboration with the suppliers, the long-term suppliers improved in time, or the new, supply, <clears throat> new suppliers more fit for the job, as well as the age of the suppliers, if they are established suppliers and new players. Did you note any pattern? Um, well, what I can say that um, the majority of the suppliers that we had in the supply development were already known suppliers uh, and suppliers that uh, have been working with us for many, many years. There were also some new suppliers, especially in the best cost countries, um, but the majority were definitely the old suppliers. So, okay. Um, the age of the suppliers, we have. We were very, um, how can I say, <laughs> in my company, uh, we were very um, 
long-term connected to our suppliers, which was not always good. But um, uh, in, in this case, um, so we also made it possible to um, improve and to make changes with suppliers that were delivering for more than 10 years already to us. So, okay. I think that answers that perfectly. And next question from Merv. Do you have any approach on how to choose which suppliers to develop? For example, new or old suppliers or any other approach? Andy, do you, do you want to take that or do you want me to? Well, yeah, as I said in the beginning, um, there was a supplier strategy that we had based on that one, we selected suppliers. So we were looking for suppliers where it would make sense to have long-term contracts. Of course, the performance was an indicator as well. How is the supplier performing over the last month and years in terms of quality, logistics, and so on? Um, and uh, as well, we were looking on for some suppliers that we took into the supply development program where we said, we think they have the, um, the ability to become a, 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 a um, development supplier for us. So they can take more responsibilities uh, in the development phase than just building something to print. Yeah. Thank you. Hans, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that one? No, perfectly fine. Thanks, Chair. Perfect. I've got a question here from uh, Douglas. What is the driver or mechanism for best practice suppliers? For example, complaints, failures, PPM, etc. Our company uses negative complaints and failures. Do you know or or have have you could you recommend one that is better? Yeah. Well, uh, of course, you need to take a serious look into this uh, negative examples as well, um, how the supplier is dealing with that. But when we did this track one and track two audits, we also had a very deep look into the organization and into the processes at our suppliers. And we often found things where we said, wow, this is way better than we do. So let's make this as a best practice also, also for us. Um, and then we, we um, did a small workshop with the suppliers and uh, figured that out, how to do that. And yeah, so that um, what I want to say is that also from this uh, deep dive audits, track one and track two, you can gather um, positive and best practices. Absolutely. Uh, so from Madhav, who should bear the cost of supplier development? This is a good one. Should it be 100% by the customer? Um, th this project that Andreas and myself are referring to was, was covered by, by, by the customer. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, but there is definitely, in, in that track three that I elaborated on um, where, where, where you really come into savings. Uh, Andreas, I think the idea was back then to, 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 to use part of the savings to, to take portions of the cost as well in the track three when it comes to manufacturing excellence, because the customers usually provide a lot of 
IP, intellectual property, uh, into the supply chain mm -hmm. as well, which generates savings. So the idea was to get portions of that saving and and and, and reinvest in, in in supply development to have it because it's a mutual win-win. So at the beginning, track one and track two, the, the client took 100% of the costs. Going forward into track three, when it comes to manufacturing excellence, transition industry 4.0, um, uh, there was a there was a split a split concept, not necessarily 50-50, but at least a portion of it to demonstrate and commit that 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 we're all on the same page. Yeah, and as our suppliers were not only delivering for for us, we said that all the benefits that you have with your other clients, you have them 100%. So that was one of our arguments to say, we want to have a, a, at least a portion of that one. Yeah, well, I think that would make sense, yes, because it would benefit the entire business at the end of the day, at that point in time. Um, thank you very much, Hans and Andreas. That's the end of the questions for today. Um, just to wrap up for everybody on the call, um, I will be sharing the recording with you by Friday as well as a copy of the slides, um, or otherwise you could also download the recording on our podcast. I'll share those details with you later this week. Um, if you have any questions at all uh, about today's presentation or any offerings that Encona can bring to you, please don't hes hesitate to get in touch with us. Um, Hans, Andreas, thank you again for giving up your valuable time today. Thank you. Have Thanks, guys. Time. All the best out there. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.